1: If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Hello, and welcome to another edition
2: of Miracles in Recovery. We are doing this one a little bit uh, strangely. I'm standing outside the studio, and I have Ellen inside the studio doing monitoring. We had a problem with our uh, communications, so we had to separate tonight. Hi, Ellen. How are you?
3: Great. How are you? It's good to be back.
2: Yeah, it's it's very good to be back on the air. It's been a couple of months since we've been on the air broadcasting, and um, we are back, and I am outside the studio. This is uh, definitely different.
3: Well, at least it's a beautiful evening in Florida, so good to be outside here. Yeah,
2: no, that's true. <laughs> if I was in Michigan or Massachusetts and I would be standing in knee-deep snow, I don't think I'd... I think I would have set you up yeah. inside. <laughs>
3: yeah, or maybe... Um, I think they had tornadoes and, and terrible weather, um, like in Louisiana and places like that. So, at this point, you're probably blessed to be right. in Florida outside.
2: Right. Well, you know, I we're, we're inclined to be... Uh, Caring for people, so I think maybe we should take a quick moment to uh, a moment of silence to um, think of the people that are in in uh, tragedies' way tonight. Not necessarily just because of weather, but because of uh, you know active addiction or people who are um, encompassed or family members that are engulfed in in addiction as well. So if we could, I'd just like to take about a thirty second. Um, Moment of silence. Use it as you wish, audience. Okay, like I said, my name is Ray, and uh, I am the host of Miracles in Recovery. Alan and I have been doing this show on different venues for five or six years, and we have ultimately found a home on Voice America Health and Wellness Network, uh, Health and Wellness Channel, and we are here to speak about uh, addiction and recovery. And when I say addiction, I mean everything and anything. I'm not talking about, you know, like, quote-unquote, Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, Cocaine Anonymous. I'm talking about every and any addictable substances. I was speaking to a a doctor a few weeks ago, who wanted to come on and speak about uh, sugar addiction. Um, that is very, very prevalent in our society, and it's something that I don't even pay attention to, but I'm sure that somehow, some way, uh, I am addicted to sugar. I ultimately just went through a, I did, I did a, a, a body cleanse, so I might have been able to process myself through that. But, um, you know, if I still see candy, it still kind of makes my stomach go funny. So there's something inside of me telling me that I need that sugar in my system. Um, What I'd like to do is maybe share a little bit about who we are again today, seeing that we're back on the air after a few months being off, and um, maybe question the interviewer. Ellen is a very good interviewer, so I think maybe what we'll do for this segment is we will um, question her so you can find out who she is, and then she can do the same for me in the the following segment. Hopefully, in the third segment, we'll have some callers call in and share a little bit of their experience, strength, and hope on how they stay clean, what their addiction may be, or even just like any types of alternative uh, ways and means to be able to get through today without using a substance or a person for self-gratification. So with that, um, I will allow Ellen to say a little bit about who she is and then we can go from there.
3: Well, thank you, Ray. My name is Ellen Arnold. I am, um, Obviously, you hear my voice, I'm I'm a child of the South, although I've been living all over the country in in various uh, situations. I am the mother of addicts. I'm not an addict myself. I did not grow up around the disease at all. Uh, I was pretty much blindsided 10 or 12 years ago when my then 18, 19-year-old daughter uh, let me know that she was an opioid addict. I didn't know what to do. Uh, I think I did what probably a lot of parents do. I thought, I'll fix this. And my first thing was, well, she needs to go to rehab, but I don't want her to go until she finishes this semester in college rather than, you know, I didn't know the immediate, uh, emergency of the situation. Ultimately, she did go to rehab. Um, and this was many years ago. It was unsuccessful and there after many other Uh, unsuccessful attempts um, determined that perhaps that just wasn't the the route that she needed to go. One of the things that I've learned over the years and from being in various uh, support groups is that there is nothing that I can do to help, to fix. Um, The best thing that I can do at this point is to love my children and let them do what they need to do because ultimately no one can fix another person. But I can fix me. And one of the things that I've had to learn is how to take care of myself. And I'm still a work in progress, and I'm still, I am still have a, a long way to go. But I think I'm a lot better than I was, and I have a lot more hope than I used to have. And at this point, um, I have not one but two uh, children who are adults now that have uh, found their way into this, this disease, uh, different drugs of choice in different ways that the disease manifests, but the, the, the pain, the fear is the same, I think, no matter what the drug of choice is. Um, the behavior is frightening. Uh, what happens to them as far as legal situations, um, health situations, all of those things are really, really scary. And to be a person you know, such as, as a lot of parents out there, and I know if there's any moms and dads listening, you know what I'm talking about. You just don't know what to do. And you get to a point where there's nothing you can do except try to get some help for yourself. And so that's what I try to do. And I am uh, currently a member of several uh, 12-step programs. They do help me quite a bit. I've, I have found that being active in, in my programs, working in service, and doing things like that, talking to other parents uh, of addicted children has has been kind of a lifesaver for me. So, so let me, so let me
2: that, let me ask you a question. With let me ask you a question. With with all of that that you just um, said, and, and I do know your stories, so I can I can kind of like go back on a couple of things because maybe there's people out there that you know would like to call in that that don't have the um, ability to do that today. And not that they don't have a phone, it's just that they don't have the the strength. I mean, you know, because you know as well as I do. I mean, coming from the other side of the fence, I strapped all of my parents. Any type of any type of strength, inner strength that they had, that's what I fed off of to stay active. And you say that you have two children who are active now. How do you get by that on a daily basis? Like how do you allow that to live within the confines of your home and still get up and be able to get dressed and get on with a productive day for Ellen?
3: Well, honestly, it's not always easy, but I have learned over the years. um, I've tried just about every approach you can imagine from, you know, you have to go to rehab to tough love, you're out in the streets, to, you know, dealing with jail situations, and they're all terribly unpleasant for me. So I have found that, you know, as long as there's not active using, stealing, I would rather um, make sure they're safe. And so for me, the, the safety issue is a big one. And, and that's not saying that that's right for everybody. But for me, at this particular point, in a, you know, and if we're living in the moment, which I do try to do uh, as best I can... For today that's what's working um, everybody's safe, so everybody is being productive uh, and I can detach as much as I can emotionally and I think that's really important for parents you know as as our children grow up and become adults, they're supposed to you know take off and be free of us and you know, it's it's very hard to have a child as sick as someone with substance use disorder
2: is, and let them go. So right, me, I, I, I'm sure. I, I'm sure it it has to be uh, taxing on a daily basis when it's, it's, when you the, see. The worst thing yeah. is
3: the fear. The fear. The fear. The fear. You know, you live in fear all the time because even when you know they're healthy, you just never know when something is going to trigger it, and. Then, they're off again, and I've seen it happen over and over and over again, not just with my my children, but with friends, you know, who are in the program with me, and, and you know, it can be years, and, you know, lives right. have been changed and miraculously transformed, and then all of
2: a sudden, bam, it's back, and it's, it's horrendous, but that's what we live right. with. I'm sure that I did that. I'm sure that I did that with my parents as well. They walked on eggshells while I was clean for a day, you know, quote-unquote, for a day. It was like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, or whatever. I'm sure they still walk around in the back of their mind with this can pop off at any second.
3: And it does. It can and it does. Mm -hmm. You know, I I guess um, there are, and, you know, we'll find out when we talk about your story, there are people who have gotten the miracle, but I think there are, sadly, a lot more that never do. You know, some people can live with it and, you know, relapse periodically and then get back up and do what they have to do. And other people get caught in it and,
2: you know, it takes them down. But, Yeah, I don't know how many people can, I don't know how, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, w- w- we said you know, what what you just said about people, you know, they can go and they can relapse and this and that. I don't know many um, elderly uh Active dope addicts it either gets
3: them well, accidentally,
2: <laughs> yeah, you know it, it gets them accidentally or it gets them you know intentionally and and you know in our cases, me being a, a recovering addict and you being a person who's addicted to addicts um <laughs> you know as <laughs> my stepfather said that one day at a, at a meeting when i was I was going to um, get my i don't know my five or six or seven or eight year medallion or something like that. And, um, he, I asked him to give me my cake and he stepped up and he said, hi, my name is Bob and I'm addicted to, I'm addicted to addicts and alcoholics. And, you know, it made so much sense because it, well, I, I, the addiction sucked him in and he was addicted to that chaotic behavior as well. Like every family member is like, like you lived or live sometimes on a daily basis because, Addiction is right in your living room. Um, I, I know for me, I, I had to be put out of that environment in order to be able to um, become a responsible, respectable member of society again. But not everybody needs that drastic of a uh, wake-up call. You know, not everybody has a bottom. Uh, a bottom that is... I'll put it this way. Not everybody's bottom is the same. Some people... Use once and say, whoa, I didn't like the way that felt. And that's it. They never touch it again. Uh, others have to go through family destruction before they can get out of their own way. And some people aren't even that lucky. They destroy everything to the rate of death. And sadly, that's when addiction wins. Yeah, and unfortunately,
3: it, it seems like it's winning more and more and more these days with the the uh, powerful, frightening drugs that are out there now. And I don't know, I don't know where it's going to end. Um, I am hopeful that we're going to find something new, uh, some other way to handle it, but I don't know. You know, at, the, at this point, you know, I've been living with it for. Uh, Quite a few years, I've learned a lot about it, as much as anybody can learn about it when we're not, you know, when we don't have that particular disease ourselves. And I've spent a lot of time studying up on it. That's, you know, another thing that uh, some of us obsessed moms do is we start researching, and that's what I did. I researched the heck (laughs) out of it, and I still do. Um, And, you know, I think people are starting to learn more and more about it. Like, there's not one particular profile. You know, there's, there are a lot of different ways that the disease mm-hmm. can manifest in a person. Um, I think, ultimately, you're right. You probably end up the same way. You know, they, they have the saying in narcotics, anonymous jails, institutions, and death. Um, and that's very sad. But I think the disease has been stigmatized to a degree that makes it very hard for people to recover. And I'm right. hopeful that as more and more people get sick and as more and more people who, who like me, you know, I was a very judgmental, nasty person as far as that went until I was faced with the disease in my home. And then it's like, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Right. It you, happen to you anybody. Have to and like really I think if it starts happening to process. anybody yeah. yeah, that maybe we won't treat people as badly as we have been. And maybe it will be easier for them to get better. I don't know. You know, I I hear it takes what it takes, and that does seem to be true. You know, until you guys make that decision,
2: nothing is really going to change, no matter what. Well, I mean, you have to to make a decision. You have to make a decision as well, because, I mean, like, if, you know, if my mother didn't make the ultimate decision to put me out on my tail then I would have still gone on till the bitter end, you know what I mean? And, and um, you know, so we all need to make a decision. And there are people out there in my family who still haven't accepted, one, what I did, and two, that I'm clean. And I've been clean since uh, February 28, 1989. This year I celebrated uh, 28 years clean. So well, that is amazing. Know, that is a miracle. People. That is a true miracle. Well, we're all miracles if we have one day clean, if we're addicted to any substance whatsoever, like, you know, um, anything really, you know, and we can change the way that we choose to live our lives, then, you know, we're one step ahead of the game and, and we are a miracle, you know, because because life is still outside the doors. When we leave the studio, we go out and we um, deal with life. And on any given, t- at any given time, on any given day, um, anything can happen. And you know that's why I'm saying I'm recovering. I hear people say they're recovered, or I hear that a lot. You know, now. they too. were, yeah, they were an addict. Uh, you know, more power to you. I choose to, to you. I choose to use the words um, that were given to me that were ing because once I think that I that I um, champion something. I'm on to the next issue, and then I can drink again. We are uh, going to get ready to go to a break now. We and um, hopefully we can during the break straighten out our situation so we can sit in the same room and look, listen to each other. So we're <laughs> going to go to a break, and uh, we will be back on the other side of these commercials.
4: Your life,
3: your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
4: When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune in to Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation and Dr. Ghosh is the Chairperson of Research and Development for the C. Foundation. Together, with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness.
3: Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: you are listening to miracles in recovery to reach the program today please call in to 1-866-472-5792 that's 1-866-472-5792 you may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org now back to this week's show
2: Welcome back to Miracles Recovery, and I don't think we have uh, straightened out our audio problems because Ellen is ultimately heading out of the studio, and I'll take this segment to sit in the studio. Um, Next week, we will make sure that we have everything up and going. It must be something to do with the phone line that we use. Um, If you'd like to call in and share a little bit of your experience, strength, and hope, dial 866 472 5792. That's 866-472-5792. By all means, visit our website at miraclesinrecovery.org. That's miraclesinrecovery.org. And the show email address is ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. If you or your organization would like to be a featured guest on the show, please send me an email at Ray at org, We will send you out an informational packet, a media packet, on how to schedule a time for you to be on the show for a full hour, if you would like, for a full hour. And we can focus on what you have to bring to the recovery community. I'm sure that there are people out there that... Um, Would love to take the opportunity to come on and share about their organization or about what they are doing. Um, I spoke last week to somebody who was an alternative 12 step individual. They were sharing what they do and I kind of got a grasp of it. I mean, my base was twelve steps only because that 's what was available that 's what worked. but I am definitely open to have conversations about everything and anything that works for you i've met people along my journey that um, have used church they 've used just straight abstinence they 've used you know twelve step halls they 've used different different aspects of or different tools, put it that way, um, and it's always great to know different types of environments where you can still um, stay clean and recover. Um, I know for me that I, I was I was a young boy and. Everything that I, you know, don't stick your finger in that light switch. Why? I always needed a base of reason why. Um, If somebody said, well, because they just told us not to, I would stick my finger in the socket just to find out what it was. So when they told me, when Officer Joey, I'm going to use Officer Joey because I don't even know what the gentleman's name was, but there was an officer, police officer that came to school and he had a big board. It was probably like a four by four. Or, uh, even like a full sheet of plywood. And it had a pipe and it said marijuana and it had all these different little things all over it. This was, uh, probably early 70s, mind you. So there was zero knowledge. There was zero education. Uh, the police would just come in and this is what they found on the, on the kids when they pulled their cars over. And they put them on boards and said, say no to drugs. Or I don't know how far back that's not that, uh, that slogan was, but you know they would come in and they would share. Drugs are bad for you, and I always had the questions of why, and because I said so really didn't sit well with me. Um, so I always had to
3: try was to. A kid in the room that had to try everything.
2: Exactly, and I'm still that way today. You know, I. I somebody I think says, most you know, of you
3: guys are honestly. In my experience, it's the ADHD, the ADD kids, they're the ones that generally end up with this disease. And I don't know yeah. that it's a bad thing to have, but it, it has been, you know, looked down on in schools because, you know, it's harder to control a class when you've got a whole bunch of squiggly kids.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And well, you what they done the, I think is try me. to drug them into submission, and I don't think that works.
2: No, cause I, cause in 19, 1973, I was the first one in my school, in my city, to uh, be put on Ritalin. And it was yeah. very experimental at the time. And um, I think that, I think that played a, a major part in some of my addictive behavior. Because it was so new, because, you know, they didn't know what the side effects were. They just knew that it was calming. They knew that um, you know, when Ray takes it, he's not swinging from the chandeliers, and he's getting a C instead of an F. So something must be working. Um, but living it's in that Instead of saying, why
3: this kid learns differently, let's try to help him learn.
2: Right. It, it You know something, it took until high school for them to try alternative um, teachings with me. So from that... Well, my brother-in-law
3: that, was on that, too. So oh, yeah. when my kids were diagnosed, I did not put them on those drugs, and they still ended up with the disease. So I don't, I don't know. There's a like, lot did of they excel in now. school? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, one of them did; the other one didn't.
2: Yeah. Well, and it I depended guess, you know, really if it was something
3: they were interested in. They did very well because they would concentrate on just that. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas for me, you know, I was a really good student. I did pretty well in everything except math, and I still made Bs in math, but I, you know, I kicked myself because it wasn't an A. Whereas, you know, my kids oh, yeah, was, yeah. were happy. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. I was I was just grateful to be there. I mean, I really didn't even want to be there, but um so anyway, like I like I was saying, you know, Monday through Friday, I would take a I would take a uh, 10 milligrams in the morning on the way to school and then I would take 10 milligrams uh, or I don't know if it was 10s or 20s or whatever but it was it was a pretty potent dose. And um, wow. I, uh, on the Saturday and Sunday, I wouldn't take it. So I don't necessarily know if by, you know, the five-day cycle, I don't know if I was mildly feeling withdrawal by Monday morning and then I was back to normal again. Um, snow days, I wouldn't take it. Saturdays and Sundays, I wouldn't take it. Um, school vacations, I wouldn't take it. So I don't know. I mean, you know, and I used to use that as a quote unquote badge of honor and say, that's the reason why I was screwed up. Well, no, it's not the reason why I was screwed up. I think that, I think what happened was is I, I, uh, I blindly used that, um, as an excuse, uh, to get, to bring me to the point of, Destruction, and um, today I can look at it, and, and, I, and I'm skeptical about medicine in general today. But yeah, me too. I do know that I do know that there's a purpose for it, because I've seen it um, work in many people. I mean, it worked in me. I mean, it, it got me from. I mean, I, I have I have hypertension. I have high blood pressure. So if I don't take my medication, I'm at 240 over 140. I'm a walking time bomb. So yeah, medication, yeah, medication works. Um, but I think it needs to be a little more regulated with the, you know, the opiate or opioid um, classes of medication because that's destroyed society.
3: It really and, is. And, and it, it is such an epidemic mm-hmm. right now. It's frightening. It is frightening. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a big um, shaming thing going on now of parents, and we had that happen here over the weekend. I think, where parents are passed out in their cars with babies and kids, and you know, I know in one case the uh, little girl called nine one one, you know, and they came and rescued her and her and brought her mom mm-hmm. back to life really with Narcan. And oh, we sweet. had one here where both parents were passed out. They wrecked the car, and the baby was in a car seat, but wasn't strapped in. Oh yeah, I mean, and yeah, that yeah. yeah. I saw all that. the time. Yep. All the yeah. time. Yeah. And all over the country. Yeah. It's not just here. It's everywhere.
2: The same type of thing. No, I know. Unfortunately enough. Fortunately enough, I didn't experience that aspect of it. I, I went like right straight for the heroin, um, but I was clean by the time that. Uh, the OCs and the oxies and all of those other class of uh, drugs came out. So I'm, I'm grateful because that would have only just helped me dive deeper. Um, you know, am, am I grateful for what I've done? I wouldn't give up any day of my active addiction because I wouldn't be sitting in the seat today. If I altered anything, um, I would probably try to buffer my family's um disaster along with mine you know because like i say, it's a family disease i was using and you know i i could ingest a chemical to not have to feel they weren't ingesting anything they had no choice but to feel um so if i could have altered that i would immediately and immensely but um you know I, I don't think that I would give up a day of who I was because I wouldn't be who I am.
3: Well, I think the, the process of getting clean or getting sober is a humbling one. And, you know, you have to be willing to humble yourself enough to, to be able to say, I'm screwed up and I need help. And that, I think that's where a lot of people falter you know they'll they'll try it and they yeah. just can't do it they just can't do it and that's that's really really sad to me because you know f- for me to look at somebody doing that it's just like stop just stop why can't you just stop and that's not the way yeah, it I, works unfortunately
2: yeah I actually no it's, saw it's a commercial from somebody who from somebody who um has than on not on the receiving end, but somebody who has been on the using end of of addiction, it's, it's a lot tougher than just stop. You know, just like Nancy Reagan would, or just say no. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, so I'm fine. This, yeah, it just doesn't yeah. work that way. You know, there's it's a process. You have to get yourself to, and not get yourself. Your addiction brings you to different levels of of um, despair. Um, mine got me homeless, helpless, loveless, clueless, um, and I had to walk that whole path in order to be able to resurrect myself. Like you know, like a phoenix coming up out of ashes. I, I don't know how many times I burned in that pit trying to step out of it, and I just fizzled right there for a long, long time. Um, I went to quite a few detoxes. I went. I tried. So many times to get clean and it was a 30 day, 15 day, 10 day. Um, it was a vicious cycle but until I could get out of my own way. Could I allow something greater than myself to work in my life and give me a little bit of, of um, a destiny, a little bit of a little, a little clue? And, you know, for me, I'll be forever grateful for. Um, February 28th, 1989, because that was the day that my real journey started. I floundered around, like I said, for many years. My mother uh, was an active alcoholic and she got sober a few years before I did. I think she's at like, I'm at 20, I think she's at like 31 or something like that right now. And my brother Michael, I remember bringing him to a detox down in Cape Cod and, uh, cause he was an alcoholic as well. Uh, he's, he's sober and, um, bring him to a, bring him to a detox and we're in a room. It's a family intervention type thing. And I tell my mother, Hey, uh, yeah, this kid's crazy. I got to, I got to go out in the car because I left my water out there and I, you know, go get high and come back in. And wow. I, 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 I'm, definitely sure that they were looking at my mother like, yeah, you need both of these kids to stay here, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's how, that's how um, I don't want to say displacement, but that's how di- di- dis... Uh, I, I, I never well, embraced
3: I mean, it. Until really. it was, I mean, if you think about it, I explain mean, all dysfunction.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was the dis I was. I was dysfunctional. Yeah.
3: And and you're you're living that life and you don't know how to change it and you know if you could explain if you could bottle what happened to you so that people mm-hmm. can understand it because it sounds so simple. And you know, it really is simple but it's not easy and I think that's where people get bogged down.
2: You know, what you just said, you just said something about if you could if you could explain or if you could bottle. Okay. When, when I choose to explain where I've been, who I am today, and, and the journey that has gotten me there carries a whole heck of a lot more weight than if I bottled it, because I would abuse that <laughs> substance as well. You know, I would say, oh, well, this guy got clean by, by bottling. Okay, boom. I need 27 of those bottles. And I would, I would you know, I would abuse that. Um, and, th- and that's the sad thing, you know, like uh, even today, like I, I open the uh, show with like sugar addiction. If, if I haven't recently, but if I go in to buy some jelly beans or something, I have to find the smallest bag because I know I'm going to eat every single jelly bean that is in that bag. If I buy the huge one, I'm going to get drastically sick, because if there's 4,000 jelly beans in that bag, 4,000 of them are going down my throat. And that's so totally interesting to addictive. me, because
3: that that would not happen to me. You know, I would, I would have some and be done with it. So I think that's... that's
2: well,
3: see, the that's the
2: difference. Yeah. yeah, and, yeah. And yeah. That's the difference.
3: Between, yeah. For those of us that don't have it, it's just so hard to understand, and I think getting even an inkling of that understanding so that you do have compassion rather than, you know, just anger and hatred and misunderstanding. I think that, that can
2: prolong yeah. it for a long time.
1: Yeah, I actually, no, I, 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 I hear you. All...
2: And that's, you know, that's the, that's the tough thing that um, that everyone walks through. You know, an addict is walking through their own despair and their own uh, dysfunction, and feeling less than. And a family is walking through their um, anger and fear, and
3: you know, not understanding, and you know, how did how did this happen? I was a good mom, all of that stuff. And it, you know, it just it is what it is. And I, I I saw a commercial the other day that was very interesting. They said, "What if addiction, or what if cancer patients were treated like?" people with substance use disorder, and they had a young guy, you know, like he was in his 20s laying in a bed, and his parents, it's like a hospital bed, his parents are sitting in chairs, and they're yelling at him, you did this to yourself, how could you do it again, look what you've done to us, you know, and it was, by the time it was over, it lasts about 45 seconds, I was in tears, because what if if we didn't treat people that have this, this disease the
2: way that we treat them? Would they maybe Helen, have a better chance? Helen, hold that, hold that thought. We're up against a hard break. We can pick that back okay. up on the other side of this commercial.
3: All righty. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: It's time to experience radical well-being. Learn to nourish your heart, body, and mind. Manifest your power in the present. And learn to live your life's infinite potential. It's time to experience Revolutionary Wellness Talk Radio with host Rochelle McLaughlin. Each week, you'll learn about essential skills and knowledge to help you discover and create your own experience of health and well being. And learn to be empowered to take bold and loving action toward manifesting the life you long for. Tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific and 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America's Health and Wellness Channel. 11 a.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. we got the power
4: to change the world. Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness.
3: A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: are listening to Miracles in Recovery to reach the program today please call in to one 472 5792 that's one 472 5792 you may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org now back to this week's show
2: and we're back I am still in the studio by myself and Ellen is in her vehicle driving home. You're still with us, right, Ellen?
3: Yeah, everything Hi. seems to be fine.
2: <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this has definitely been a random show, but we will we will get the bugs worked out. When I'm just grateful that we're back on the air. And you know, the great thing about it is is that you have a marine at the helm here. You know, and we know how to improvise, adapt, and overcome. Right? Isn't that what uh, Gundy Sergeant Highway said in uh, in uh, Hamburger Hill? or whatever the name of that movie was. Um, So, as we were talking about, you said that you were were watching a commercial about a cancer patient that was treated like an addict. Explain that a little little bit. And
3: they were yelling at him, and, you know, how can you do this to us? How can you do this to yourself? Why did you do it again? All of that stuff. It was really, really sad. And there's another one with a patient that has parkinson's and mm-hmm. parents are yelling at her and it's it really really makes you think because you know the behavior exhibited by addicts is often um, terrible and i think that's one of the right. reasons that the disease has gotten the, the terrible the terrible stigma attached to it that it that it does people think that you're doing it on purpose or that you just don't care and yeah. that's not how it is at all. And, it, you know, it takes a while as as a non-addict to understand that. And, to, well, plus you there know, are, I think... There are, are a lot of people...
2: It. There are a lot of people who don't look at um, alcoholism or addiction as a disease. So, like you said, they, look, they, they put it on a moral... They keep it on a moral issue. And it's your actions that uh, you know, I don't understand why you're still doing that. Why are you acting out? Why'd you rob that bank? Why'd you rob that store? Why'd you end up in jail again? Whereas someone with cancer, granted, they have the um, physical attributes of the disease. Ours are acting out. Uh, ours are, that's, that's what addiction does to us. Um, I think that for me, uh, for for a slight period of time, I was one of the people who said that they were only saying it was a disease for funding um, because I was the one that chose to use. I was the one that chose to act out. And I think I blindly believed that... Um, you know, it was my actions that got me where it was. Granted, I had to take responsibility for my actions, but it is so relieving to know that it is a disease. And if, if it wasn't a disease, why would I have to buy the smallest bag of jelly beans today? That's exactly. still in my system. You know what I mean? It's still in my system and how I, how I keep it um under wraps is I don't use, I don't buy a huge bag of jelly beans. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna buy a small bag and then go back and buy a big one. I used to do that. I could have done that. I could probably still do that today. I could still pick up if I wanted to. I choose not to today because the benefit of living clean and sober outweighs anything that I gave myself any credit for before, you know. My mom said I used to say I had the brown touch. Everything I touched turned <laughs> brown, and she was so right. Um, she used a more stern word than that, but um, she was so right because there wasn't anything that I did that had any any beneficial um, anything beneficial to my family. And, you know, I, I ruined their name. I ruined. You know, they would go places, and you know, they'd. You know, people would say, "How's that idiot son of yours? Is he still acting out? Is he still?" Because they didn't know that it was a disease. They thought it was a moral issue. That
3: yeah, they you know, just their they look raises. at the behavior and they say, "Oh, he's making bad choices." And I don't like that terminology either because I think after at a, at a point in time, it, it is not a choice anymore. Yeah, you,
2: know, you, you no, it, it might have been it's a choice. Not a choice. It might have been a choice the first time I chose to use because I, because I was the individual that was inquisitive because when a cop told me don't or, you know, look at this board and these are all the bad things. Well, can you give me a basis of why? Well, no, we can't. It's, they're just illegal and they're bad. oh Okay, well, I'm going to go find out why they're illegal and they're bad. Um, at that point, I made that, deter- I made that bad decision. We are all one bad decision away from being, uh, from living the life that I lived for many years. So, yes, if I never acted out on my addiction, um, would I have the same outcome? Probably not, but I might have with alcohol. Who knows If, if I would have started drinking, if alcohol, because alcoholism runs in my family. So my disease chose a different substance is all.
3: Yeah, and I think the drug of choice, you know, there are people who are studying, you know, why a specific drug is the one that that triggers the disease. But once, I'm, I've heard it also said that you can't go from a cucumber to a pickle, and then once you're a pickle, back to a cucumber.
2: absolutely And I no, think that's, that, that's not. pretty telling. Yeah.
3: yeah that, you know, and, and
2: right, you can't go from a grape to a raisin back to a grape. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, uh, right. You know, we, I was probably soft as a grape out there. And I became a raisin. Uh, what makes me think that I could become a budding grape again? It just doesn't, you know, common sense tells me that that doesn't work. Um, and the proof is in the pudding. I've seen people uh, with three, five, seven, twenty-eight 28 years like me uh, take their will back and decide to have a drink and say, oh, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I have, too. I have to talk to someone
3: who did that. You know, he got divorced and was dating and went out with a lady and she had a glass of wine and he had one too and he said it was fine so the next time they went out he had two glasses of wine and that was it he was you know it it took him a long time to come back from that but he did
2: right and he's lucky that he's lucky that he did he's lucky that he did there's people out there that i know today that are still floundering in active addiction if they're still alive um because they chose to go to a nightclub and dance and accidentally, I, I actually went to, uh, a place and I asked for a cranberry juice and they gave me a vodka and cranberry juice and I took a sip. Fortunately enough, I was wise enough to put it down and say, look, that was a great lesson learned. I do not belong in this environment. Um... Because I very, act, very easily could have drank that drink and not been sharing my experience strength and hope today. And that's the scary thing about it. You, there's no guarantee what was freely given to you you'll ever get back again. I know people that have bounced in and out, gotten five years, gone back out, six years, gone back out, three years, gone back out. And this is the same individual. With me, I can't test that. I can't test that because I've proven to myself time and time again that even with 30 days I still used. So something was wrong. Something was broken. And, um, you know, today it's, it's the constant vigilance of, of, um, abstinence is, is the basis of how I live my life today. Recovery is the vehicle that I choose to use to be be able to deal with society. Because if I was just abstinent, I'd just be, I'd be miserable. Um, I have to use something greater than just not using to be able to deal with society. I mean, we see it, we watch it on TV. Look at this, look at this um, election season. You know, I don't even want to get into that craziness, but look at, <laughs> yeah, look at that how was volatile this, look how volatile this world is, and how do you, how do you, the the easiest thing to do in a society like this is medicate, because then you don't have to deal with it. But I just don't. It, it, That is a lot less appealing today than it is being able to deal with life on life's terms. How I deal with life on life's terms is through um, the recovery aspect of a 12-step program. It doesn't necessarily have to mean that you have to do it as well because it works for me. I can only share that it works for me. Um, How that... How... um, you get to that point, it's totally up to you. And if you're out there and you have an alternative way, I would love to hear it. I'm, I am all ears for everything and anything that allows you to be a productive member in society and still not have to um, act out on using.
3: Well, I think doesn't some of it come from feeling okay about yourself,
2: too. You know, oh, absolutely. Heard- and that's where the, absolutely, and that's where the recovery aspect comes in because, like, if I was just abstinent, um, I would own everything on the TV. I suffer from a disease that tells me one minute I'm less than and one moment later I'm greater than. How do I, how do I keep that in check? There has to be something that I do on a daily basis that keeps me in check because when I walk into a store, I can look at, I can key on one thing and say, whoa, I don't belong here and feel immediately less than uh, 28 years clean. So how do I, how do I do that? I embrace um, the 12 steps of a recovery. I, I don't like to use AANA and I don't, I don't like to use any of that stuff. I just I just embrace the spiritual principles of, the, of a of recovery society, and it's gotten me this far. Why change it now?
3: Yeah, and I think it, it provides you with um, a support system, especially in early recovery, where you know you have people that that have the same goal, and you know hopefully they're lifting you up, not you know chastising you mm-hmm. if you if you do stumble or make that choice. Oh,
2: they still are because just, they just—they still are because they're still sick and suffering like I am, you know. So there's no, there's no guarantee that you're going to, um, you know, you're going to be jumping around in rainbows and gold and stuff like that if you get clean. Um, you just have a better shot at having a uh, more stable day. Um,
3: yeah, you know, I think living in the day is a real important point too. You know, today is today, and this is all I've got.
2: Right. If you can plan for tomorrow, but you have to live in today.
3: Exactly. You know, it's,
2: it's wise, to, it's wise to plan for tomorrow because, you know, if, if you don't, your lights will get shut off. You know, God, <laughs> they say God will provide, but he's not going to show up at the door and give you a bundle of cash and say, here, pay your bills. You have to go out and you have to work for it. And how you learn to do that is in, you know, that stable or that environment of, of, um, people that are trying to do the same thing you are.
3: Or that have, you know, have come as far as you and can now help somebody else. And, you know, as you guys say, give it away. Yeah,
2: and yeah.
3: You, you, mm-hmm. you stay clean because you're giving it away to somebody who maybe doesn't have that yet. But, you know, you can give them the benefit of your experience, strength, and hope. And maybe, just maybe, they'll find their way too. Now there aren't any guarantees, yeah, I, I, unfortunately. I, I,
2: you can't, you can't really, you know, there was a long time where I would chase people. The first few years I would chase people and I didn't know I was chasing myself right out the door until yeah. people told me you can't do that, you know, because you will, you know, it's easier to make someone sick than it is to make someone well. And, you know, the disease of addiction is very, very cunning. It'll get you any way that it can. It'll tell you, you we'll chase that individual down the street because you can save their life. And then you are out on the street, homeless, helpless, and loveless uh, again saying, gee, how did I get here? Well, dopey, you know, you, you, you forgot about you. You forgot about the, you know, the spiritual principles of, of this recovery thing that you're doing. And you chase somebody right down into dope street, you know, and, and that's how cunning and baffling this disease is. We are coming up on the end of the show. And I just want to say if you or your organization would like to be a featured guest on the show, please send an email to ray at miraclesandrecovery.org. We will send you an information packet on how to schedule a time for you to be on the show for a full hour so we can focus on what you have to bring to the recovery community. Uh, we have 30 seconds left. I would like to thank the audience for listening. Thank you, Ellen, for helping me struggle through this hour with, um, technical difficulties and Say good night.
3: Good night, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful evening and a wonderful day tomorrow. Tomorrow remember, will be the first day of the rest of your life.
2: And with, remember, with miracles in recovery, hope is in your corner. Good night. Always. Good night.
1: Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery.